Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book. I'm a registered dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Barbie Bowles, a second career dietitian who started a private practice right out of her internship, and she hasn't looked back. She has transformed her practice over the years, and she is now focused on helping clients experiencing perimenopause and menopause. Learn more about her transition, resources, and what she's looking forward to in her practice. Please enjoy my conversation with Barbie. Well, Barbie, I am looking forward to today's conversation. I did not do a lot of research on you because I kind of wanted to let you kind of tell the story of, you know, just kind of your history into dietetics and into nutrition. And I know that you mentioned that you've kind of had a huge shift in your views and focus and your passions currently with your business. So I would love to delve into all of this, but I think it'd be great if you took me back to let's go to the beginning. Let's start way when you thought nutrition and dietetics was going to be your, your profession and your future. Yeah. So it was actually a second career for me. I went back to school at 27. Um, and so that's 23 years ago. And, um, I just, you know, I, I've always loved food. I've always loved cooking. My family was big on going to whatever the new restaurant was, you know, and so food has always very much been a part of my life. So is cooking. Um, but I also have a lot of medical professionals in my family. And so there was always that sort of science, uh, and health aspect, you know, in conversation too. And you know, I was dissatisfied with what I was doing for, as a career. And I just kind of, it feels like it probably didn't happen this way, but it feels like one day I just woke up and said, you know what, I'm going to find a dietetics program and that's what I'm going to do. And <laughs> so, you know, four years later, after the didactic part and the internship, um, I graduated and I actually got pregnant the day I finished my internship. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And so I didn't want to take a job only to have to, you know, leave them, um, eight months later or whatever. Uh, so I decided that I was just going to start a private practice right off the bat, which is what I did. Um, so 20 years, uh, later, here we are. And my pra- the focus of my practice has kind of uh, has evolved a lot, let's just say, over the years. You know, it started very generally, I think people do, seeing everybody, you know, male, female, all, all different disease states, uh, people who just wanted to lose weight. And over time, I, the private side of what I do kind of narrowed focus to women. Uh, and and women's health. And then in the last couple of years, probably because of my own experience and just what I'm hearing my clients say, I've really narrowed focus to perimenopause and menopause. There's so much that can be done to support that phase of life nutritionally and in terms of lifestyle practices uh, that have really been neglected or just not talked about to this point. And so I am super excited to just be part of this conversation that I feel maybe just because I'm in it, but I feel like it's really starting to become more mainstream, to be more open about this time in our lives and, you know, not, uh, not be ashamed or afraid to talk about it. 
Well, and I would have to agree with you as well, just because I'm probably in the same kind of age range as you Mm -hmm. are. And Mm -hmm. that's not something we learned a lot about Mm -hmm. as dietitians. I don't Mm -hmm. think I remember anything talking about perimenopause or menopause when I was going through school. That's so, not. And no. you know, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I just want to say I have about four interns a year from Loyola University Chicago. And I asked them because, you know, obviously they, they, they work with me, they know what I'm up to and they do research with me and they always tell me we don't learn any of this. So they're still not learning it. And that's, you know, that's, it's too bad because it is such a, you know, when you think about, you know, nutrition doesn't stop Mm -hmm. (laughs) when you're 45 and older. Mm -hmm. I think that even, I think it even means more at those ages because we want to age well, we want to live healthfully, we want to, you know, have a fruitful life in our second half of our, you know, our lifetime. And I don't know how do we change that? Like, and that's why we need people like you to help, you know, with interns, but then also with helping the population. Right. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I am. It is uh, there is so much you can do, um, and our needs do change. I mean, in every way, you know, uh, in terms of calories, macronutrients, vitamins and minerals. Certain ones become more important, and uh, you know, the way we exercise, you know, perhaps changes. Where even if we've always been super healthy, just with that decline in estrogen and progesterone and testosterone, our disease risk jumps. Uh, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, insulin resistance, it all goes up no matter how well we've taken care of ourselves up to that point. So it really is a good time to start focusing in on your health, even if you've never really needed to before. That's interesting too. You know, and I, I would say probably, and you maybe can speak to this as well, is that maybe women don't really think about their health until this time period mm-hmm. in their life. Right. Women are mostly focused on their weight primarily prior to this time in, in, in our lives. Um, but once, once, you know, the labs start getting a little funky or even if we've never been concerned about our weight before, you know, our, the way our, our, our body distributes weight changes, we become more apple than pear because we become more uh, android than gynoid in shape. And that's very disturbing to a lot of women because, you know, belly fat exists where it never did before. And um, so, yeah, you, and, and you're, you're fatigued and you have brain fog and all these kinds of things start happening seemingly out of nowhere. So yes, it is definitely a time that women are like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, you know, and I, when I think about dietitians, I think about, you know, like you said, maybe you didn't really think about it a lot until you entered that own stage mm-hmm. of your life. And maybe mm-hmm. that's where you got that interest in. So maybe why don't you talk to me about, you said that you shifted, like you did, you know, awesome that you started out in private practice and you've done that for so long, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe thinking about dietitians currently in their own private practice. How do you make the shift into something you're really passionate about? Like, what's the best thing and advice that you can give that way? You kind of have to be fearless because I will be perfectly honest, you know, talking about women's health. That's no big deal. Everybody gets that. You know, everybody can get on board with that. When I started talking about narrowing specifically to perimenopause and menopause, even good friends and colleagues, you know, were like, really? (laughs) 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 Yeah, exactly. Like, why do you want to 
talk about that? Why do you want to like put that out into the universe? And I, 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 I just said, because we need to. And the more, it's like anything else, the more we talk about it, uh, the less of a stigma there is and the better health care we're going to get, period. Whether you come to me or anybody else or read a book or just explore for yourself, if you would never utter the word out loud, you know, menopause or perimenopause, but you should, you should, you know, look into it because, you know, you may not be feeling great and there's so much you can do to, to, to change your wellness. But in terms of kind of niching down, I think you just, you just need to embrace what lights you up, what gets you out of bed in the morning. And that's what you go with. Even if not everybody is buying it initially, and even if you're terrified that you're speaking to a very tiny segment of the population um you're not you're speaking directly to people who really need you because you really care about that segment of the population does that make sense yes absolutely because i think we i think people can be very scared about niching down that particularly Mm -hmm. just because you do wipe out a huge amount of other possible business revenue you, it seems that way. I mean, I certainly do still see men and, and, and um, I don't see teenagers or children anymore, um, but I do still see men. I see slightly younger women. And then I also have the corporate side of my business, which is about 50% of what I do. I, I get hired as a, um, a corporate wellness consultant. And so I do corporate wellness programming. And in a corporate setting, I see everybody. I see men, women, younger, older, you know, CEO to, um, you know, uh, people who do, you know, mail delivery. I mean, everything. Sure. Um, but my real passion lies with the women 40 to 60. And I just decided, I just, I just decided, you know what? I've earned the right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to do what I want to do and to focus on what I want to focus on. And I know that ultimately because I care about it so much, it will resonate. And that's what I would say to dietitians who feel like they may be too broad in their practice and they really are passionate about one thing, go for it. Just go for it. I went to a, um, a good example of this is I went to a, a dietitian's conference in um, New York City over a weekend. I think it was three years ago. And I met another dietitian who was lovely. And at the time, she was focusing on healthy cooking. Right. And we sat next to each other and she said, you know, what I really want to focus on is autistic children. She didn't have a child. She didn't know anyone with autism. It was just a passion of hers. She did it. And I think not that this is an indication of success or super important, but just as an example, she went from, I think, having 500 followers on Instagram at that weekend to a couple years later, I think she's got 95,000. Wow. Because she just went with it, you know, and that is not a huge segment of the population. So, but she was fearless and she just did it because that's what she wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And that's a great example of, you know, even like, I think that sometimes people think that even though, like, like you said, she didn't have an autistic child, um, you know, maybe there's a younger dietitian that is interested in perimenopause, but maybe she hasn't gone through that. How do you feel about dietitians practicing that maybe haven't experienced that type of nutrition or that type of health or, you know, what do you feel about that? Oh, I don't think one has to have 
had the experience to be intelligent about it, do the research, have something to offer. I think, I don't think you need personal experience. I think you need a, to really care, to really understand and to really um, empathize. I don't think you need to personally have experienced um, whatever it is you're practicing. Well, that would ring true for, you know, working with men. We're not men, so we can, right. <laughs> we don't know what, what that's like to be a man, but we definitely can help. Right. And I mean, if you think about all kinds of different medical specialties, you know, there are lots of doctors who practice a certain area of medicine. They've never experienced that particular illness or disease state or whatever, and they're phenomenal. So I I don't think that you need to. I mean, a 20 year old man could could practice. Yeah. (laughs) You know, as long as he cares and he's wonderful at what he does, I think that's great. So speaking of, you know, we were talking about we're not getting educated in this area that you're passionate about. How does one, like, how do you and how did you get the education you felt like you need to help, um, you know, women going through this experience? Right. So I, first of all, I did this sort of research I always do, which is, um, you know, uh, peer-reviewed studies. And, and there aren't a lot, you know, in this, in this area um, that are super meaningful or revelatory yet, but there are enough to kind of put some puzzle pieces together. In addition to that, thankfully, there are a lot of really intelligent people who have written a lot of books over the last five years. And um, I've read them all <laughs> a couple of times. I've actually reached out to some of the authors and asked questions, you know, about things that I still had questions about, even after reading their books. Um, you know, menopause.org, um, you know, just all whatever, whatever it is you're interested in, just t- type it in Google and filter through what um, what seems legit and, and a reputable source of information and just start start looking, start studying and start reaching out to people who you think have written a wonderful book or have written a great article or who did a study. People are so willing to talk to you about their work. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of mind blowing. So yeah, I mean, there are lots of different ways to explore that, um, whatever you're interested in. And that's a good way to, I know like Google has <laughs> reshaped our way of finding information for sure. Since we've been in school, um, you know, being able to find those quick resources. Right. And, I mean, obviously I'm not suggesting that, you know, you, you look at like WebMD for oh, all sure. research, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, yes. you know, peer reviewed journals and, and then also authors, people who have written really good quality books on whatever subject you're into. Now, there's a lot of, I feel like in the perimenopause and menopause world, there is a lot, you know, maybe, and I've paid more attention, like you said, just because of my age, but I feel like there's a lot of information out there regarding supplements and regarding, you know, food and cutting out food and, you know, elimination diet. So what's kind of your approach and what do you kind of base your practice on when it comes to treatment? Right. So first and foremost... I regard every person I see as a physiologically unique individual. I do not take a blanket approach with anyone. That said, I ask a lot of questions. I take a full medical history. I ask them about what's going on. I listen to what their goals are because I don't want to lay my goals on someone. You know, I think that's a mistake a lot of maybe 
uh, people just starting out kind of make, you know, like they lay their own goals on top of a person. But I think listening to what the other person really wants is extremely important. Um, So my general, I'm not huge into supplements primarily because, you know, they're not regulated in the United States. Mm -hmm. If someone has a diagnosed deficiency, let's say B12 or vitamin D, or they don't eat a lot of dairy and they're over 50, then calcium would, you know, probably be a good idea if they don't sleep well or have, um, you know, muscle pain or, um, or uh, tension. Magnesium is very helpful. Selenium. Omega-3 is very helpful at this point in our lives. But I don't really get into, like, the nootropics and the adaptogens and the herbs and things like that. I just... I don't think we know enough about those products. I am all for anecdotal evidence. If one of my clients comes to me and says, I've been taking this supplement and I feel amazing. Awesome. But I would never recommend it. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. Cause Um, I've heard things of like pregnant, is it like DHEA? Right. Yes. I, I just don't think we have the, I, I do about eight to 12 hours of research every week. And because um, there's a lot to stay on top of, there's a lot of emerging research, as you know. Um, yes. I mean, this is an ever-evolving science, right? I mean, it's, it changes every day. And there's all, always something new. But I just don't think we have the research yet on those more obscure um, uh, or kind of isolated um, nutrients or... or um, you know, the supplements that one might think might be good. I, I just, I, I am not going to be responsible for recommending those. If a client wants to try them, fine. And I, I love hearing how it goes, but I'm, I'm much more conservative. I like people to try to get their nutrition from food. I am all about supplementation if there's a diagnosed deficiency. Um, and, you know, I, I do, like I mentioned earlier, I do think, I am not about low carb, high protein. I don't ascribe to any particular food philosophy or fad diet. Um, I really do look at the individual and their preferences. But because of the, like, we can have up to a 30% calorie, uh, uh, 30% less um, need for calories once we're in like late perimenopause and into menopause because of the estrogen decline. Also fat tends to favor the belly. So I do change up the macronutrient spread a little bit to be like maybe 40% carb, 30% protein, 30% fat. Now this is not a general rule for everybody. I work with everybody on an individual basis, but I do go a little bit lower in carbohydrate and um, I spread it evenly between starch and fruits and veggies. And then I want to get some plant protein in there because fiber is incredibly important, not just for maintaining um, good, uh, you know, sweeping out the colon and cholesterol health, but gut health in general, because, um, you know, a lot of hormones are manufactured in the gut. And obviously we know now about the interplay between the brain and the gut and maintaining a good mood and helping to clear that brain fog is really important. So uh, I like a lot of plant protein in there. So little things like that, making sure you're staying hydrated. I like my clients to move every day, even if it's only for 10 minutes. I don't love these like, you know, super powered, huge workouts like twice a week. I think we need to change it up to be moving daily. 
um, but maybe not so in, it, high impact. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was going to ask you your thoughts on that because I've also heard that for this time period in, in women's lives that not those insane, intense workouts are very yeah. good for our hormone balance, our gut right. health, and overall health. Yeah, high intensity is like hit works at hit workouts are fine. Um, not all the time, but you know, to squeeze them in there, kind of switching it up, I think is really important. But because they're short in duration, I think something like you know, I don't, I don't want to really name names, but you know, those really intense hardcore workouts yes. that last an hour and like you really hit it hard and it's kind of a bro workout. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't, that's not great for cortisol. That's not great for um, hormone regulation as, as we get a little bit older, or if you're even a younger woman, say with PCOS or other hormonal issues. Um, you know, I also do something that I call, not, not that I call, it's called cycle syncing, uh, where you kind of match up your foods and the style of exercise you're doing with the phase of your menstrual cycle, assuming you're still getting your period. Um, so, you know, there's the follicular phase, there's the menstrual phase, there's the ovulatory phase, and there's the luteal phase, and different things are happening in your body, different energy levels, different hormones are being produced. And so I kind of match up different foods and recipes and styles of exercise with the different phases of the cycle. It can really help reduce symptoms of PMS and the, the mood swings that we get and the brain fog. And I have just recently heard about, you know, I've kind of doubt, like read about those things, but that, I think that's a huge phenomenon that I don't think doctors are paying attention to. And mm-hmm. I feel like dietitians are at that perfect intersection to help people navigate those different phases of their cycle. Right, exactly. And I'm, you know, it's not that it's, it's not a magic bullet. It do, it's not appropriate for everyone, but I can say personally that it's really helped me and I've seen it help a lot of my clients feel less of the ups and downs that happen right now, you know, because Mm -hmm. at this stage, it's not like this steady decline of hormones. They're They're all over the place. One day they're super high, the next day they're super low. And, and we feel that, you know, and so this kind of helps smooth, smooth out the bumps a bit, that approach. Do you use labs in your practice? Do you take them from a doctor? How do you kind of work with people and their labs and hormones? Yeah, I always ask people to to see their most recent labs. Very few people come to me having had their hormones tested. Um, But, you know, almost everyone has their most recent metabolic panel basic blood work. So I do look at that. And then we talk about, I never insist that someone has their hormones tested because honestly, it's, it's, unless you are really one way or the other, it, the hormone testing is still imperfect. And, and so it's not essential. I mean, just based on what someone is reporting to me, I can kind of tell what's happening, sure. but it is helpful to know, um, you know, if you are fully into menopause and blood work can determine that. So if they want to do that, um, it is helpful. They certainly don't have to, but I do always look at, um, metabolic panels just to see, and I, you know, I want to know blood pressure and, um, 
and that kind of thing too. Sure. Now, do you practice virtually, in person? Are you doing both? I was doing both until March of 2020. <laughs> that date. <laughs> but you know what's interesting? In the fall of 2019, I decided to take the private side of what I do. Again, I've got the corporate side and the private side. I, I decided to take the corporate side of what I, or the private side of what I do virtual, not knowing that that would be a thing. And I'm really glad I did it when I did it. Um, but then, you know, the corporate side, in March, there was just sort of this panic because I had all of these clients that I was scheduled to travel to for the rest of the year. And of course, that was out the window. And so for about six weeks, there was sort of this scramble to figure out how are we going to, you know, maintain all this programming. And everybody just jumped on board with Zoom and WebEx and, and, you know, Teams and all of that. And it all worked out. So, I mean, that was perfect. I wouldn't mind if it, if it stays this way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's a, it's so, everyone is so much more accessible to each other, which Mm -hmm. I think is a huge benefit just because dietitian services aren't always accessible to everyone. So it's nice that way. Yeah. And I mean, it is, it is so much more accessible. Um, I mean, I had always done it that way with clients who didn't live in, private clients who didn't live in the Chicago area. Um, but then I just made it that way for everybody. And I also am writing, um, a course, an online course. It's like a sort of a small group coaching, uh, that's going to start in September for, um, uh, women over 40 and all the good stuff. It's a seven week course about that addresses, um, food, uh, sleep, exercise, managing stress, self care, uh, all the things that, uh, kind of make this time in our lives, body image, all, all the things that kind of make this time in our lives really exciting and fabulous as opposed to, Oh my God, what's happening? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask like kind of what the future holds for you now that you've kind of shifted into this arena, which obviously we need more dietitians, but I think that that course is a great option to even reach more people at the same time. Yeah, it's a lot more um, uh, financially accessible and it's cool because it's, I'll always keep the groups to 15 or less because uh, I want conversation every week, you know, it's sure. a, once a, it's, there's obviously coursework and materials to do um, like a couple hours a week, but then we meet on Fridays and we discuss and, and uh, you know, talk about what's going on and share and, and kind of creating, I'm ho- hopeful that I'll create a little bit of a community, you know? Absolutely. Well, and I like that. I think in this type of area of women, especially, I think they're looking for community and they're looking for other people that are experiencing the same thing. Yes, absolutely. I I think to know that you're not alone uh, with some of what you're feeling is always at any stage of life in any situation that you're in, it makes things so much easier. But I, I, there has been so much taboo around this subject And a lot of women are still very uncomfortable talking about it openly. Mm -hmm. But um, I think the more that we can, again, it really is about us getting good, the best possible quality care that we can. And we're not going to get it if we're not open about what we're experiencing. And if we don't demand, no, you've got to listen to me. I'm not dealing with these hot flashes for the next five years. I'm not dealing with all this brain fog. I'm not going to accept that there are no answers for me. 
And um, the more we talk about it, it the, the better care we're going to get. Absolutely. And, and not just slapping an estrogen supplement or, you know, pill right. on you and be like, just take this, you'll be fine. Right. Or antidepressant. I can't oh, tell yeah. you. I would say a good 80% of the clients who come to me or have come to me in the last two years are on anti, like that was their doctor's solution. <sighs> That's and crazy. I know. And it's not, listen, I am a fan of Western medicine and, and pharmace- pharmaceuticals used appropriately. We way over-prescribe in this country yes. and uh, across the board. And um, I think, you know, a- antidepressants absolutely have a place. I am not opposed to them at all used correctly, but they are not appropriate for a woman in perimenopause if she is not, in fact, depressed. <laughs> right. So you're seeing that quite often that that's oh, just one of the solutions. All the time. And then there's so much confusion around hormone therapy, you know, like, what do I do? What combination do I try to do natural? Is it, and you know, a lot of doctors aren't that well-versed on all of the options. So you really have to be, and see, this is part of what I'm hopeful that I will do is if not provide the exact answers, a woman needs empower her to go out and find her answers. So I love that. Avail her to this world of information where she can search for the answers she needs and not feel like, well, my doctor said this, so I guess that's what I have to deal with, you know? Mm -hmm. Or I guess I just have to suffer with this for the next five, 10 years. Because you don't. You don't. Right. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's, I love that. It is so important to empower women to find the answers if Mm -hmm. they need them or they want them or they're questioning things. Exactly. If you had to tell, you know, like if you, if there's a dietitian listening today and someone comes to them with, you know, having perimenopause, menopause and looking for a place to start, what would you recommend a dietitian? What's the best kind of starting point besides referring to you, of course, <laughs> but what would be the best kind of advice that you would give them into starting to help someone going through this phase in their lives? So do you mean to the dietitian or? Yeah, like if you had a a dietitian, you know, say we've got a dietitian that doesn't work a lot in this area, but does have a client that comes to them. What Mm -hmm. do you kind of, what would you recommend as an expert in this area to kind of help a dietitian get started with a client? So first and foremost, I think, and I think this applies to any area of practice. If you are really uncomfortable, like if you really don't know, what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> find somebody who does, um, you know, find another dietitian who, who really is well-versed in that subject matter, whatever it is. But if you're interested in exploring, um, I would say first and foremost, you need to listen to your client. I think, um, a lot of what I see sometimes is, is, uh, is, is practitioners of all kinds, not, not actually listening, just assuming, okay, I've got, I'm in perimenopause or menopause. And so, you know, just the the practitioner just assuming what that patient or client is saying, really listen to what it is they want. Uh, make sure they have a good, uh, gynecologist, make sure they have a good relationship with their internist, make sure they've had appropriate blood work done, um, and make sure that they are in general, like anyone else, eating well, moving their bodies, sleeping well, and managing their stress, and make recommendations based on that. Uh, one really, I, I, and again, like I said, I've read all the books, 
But um, if you are interested in this subject as a practitioner, I would say the best book, well, okay, hard to say best book. Most comprehensive, more from a clinical perspective, it's called The Complete Guide to the Menopause. And it's by Dr. Anise, I'm going to spell her last name, M-U-K-H-E-R-J-E-E. So it is an incredibly comprehensive guide. It would really get you started in understanding uh, what the subject matter is, the kinds of things your client is going to be asking, what concerns she might have that she's not actually voicing so that you can kind of be intuitive about the process. But um, yeah, but I, I really do strongly advise, like if you're not comfortable, find someone for that person who is. Absolutely. Yes. And that's what I mean. Like, you know, if, again, if you're not comfortable, but if you do, I think it's always important to like to address like all the things that you said first, like, mm-hmm. are they eating well? How do they have a good gynecologist? Do they have good sleep? You know, going through those things initially, just to kind of see if that's where you need to start working instead of jumping into hormones and all those other next stages that you would be the person to specialize in. Right, exactly. I mean, and and so many of us, you know, forget about that. That's why I, I call it the four pillars of wellness. And this is something that even before kind of honing in on um, perimenopause and menopause, I've always talked about what I call the four pillars. So nourishing your body, sleeping well, managing stress, and moving daily. So those are the four things I address with every client, regardless of what else might be happening. And it is amazing to me how many people don't sleep well hmm. and, and really kind of don't realize how unbelievably important it is. And what I really try to impress upon my or do, I'm, I'm pretty direct, <laughs> what I do impress <laughs> upon my clients is that what happens during sleep is even more productive than absolutely anything that you could be doing during the day. You can be doing yoga, you can be eating kale, you can be doing green juices, taking your supplements, all the things. But if you're not sleeping well, you are not getting the full benefit at all of all of the effort that you're making during the day. It's when so many things happen that keep our bodies going, all the repair, all the restoration, all the kind of detoxification of all the things our bodies don't need. If you're exercising a lot and you're not sleeping well, your muscles aren't repairing properly. So, you know, I really, I, I'm a real stickler about sleep. I get on my clients about good sleep. <laughs> I think that's a huge area that a lot of people could do better on for sure. Yes. So interesting. I well, I, I think your your recommendation for the the book is an awesome tool for anyone that might be interested in this area, and it'll be great to see your course that comes out. I know that I even have clients that I would probably recommend to you, just because I am not an expert in those areas. But you know, there are people that have gone through a lot of different ways to help with perimenopause and menopause and I think sometimes they just need a little bit more focus with someone who focuses on all the other things so agreed and listen we all we all 
even those who practice generally, we've all got something in our minds that is really like we light up when we get a client that is, you know, has our, our particular interest, um, at, at heart, at, you know, is coming to us for something that really is our particular interest. And that's, I, I think that's amazing, you know, that, uh, you know, we can all refer to each other for different things and, uh, you know, we can't be the master of all. Right. Thank gosh. Thank I gosh know. there's a good network of all of us. <laughs> I know. I know. Absolutely. And, um, and, you know, when you, when you focus in and, you know, just to speak to any of the dietitians listening who really are thinking about specializing more, when you specialize, yes, you might be giving certain things up, but you're doing what you love and you're doing it better. Because when you're spreading yourself thin and a bit distracted by things that don't as interest you as much, you can't do the thing you love, you know, elevated. And when you really focus and you're all about that one thing, you really kill it. And that's what I would encourage any dietitian to do. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> perfectly said. That's perfectly said. I like that. <laughs> it's very inspiring too to not to let people not feel bad about just going with what they want to what they really want to focus on. Yeah, you yeah. deserve it. I mean, you're in, you're entitled to it. You have an education. You have a passion. Combine the two, and things will fall into place. Absolutely, which you have definitely done. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some experience. Yes. Well, I appreciate your honesty and your candidness about everything. And um, thanks for being in this space of, with this type of, um, you know, just area that is much needed for just dietetics and nutrition and just humans in general. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for talking to me today. Absolutely. I just have a few more. I have a few more hard questions for yeah, you. So yeah. we end our oh, podcast. Good. Good ones. I like a challenge. Yeah. yeah. Um, share with me some foods that you enjoy. Okay, so I am, I am not, uh, I do not ascribe to any food, particular food philosophy. Again, I, I don't like the word diet for obvious reasons. Yes. It, all the connotations, but so I call it a food philosophy. I, I was a vegan for 18 years. I love being plant forward, but I don't, I do eat fish. I do eat chicken. I do eat eggs. I do eat dairy, um, but I could not live without garlic. Just couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> and uh, I love fish tacos is my favorite meal. Um, just like a good halibut with a nice carrot, mm. like, ginger, cabbage slaw um, is really awesome. Uh, mashed potatoes. I could eat ma If you give me literally a barrel, I will eat it. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds amazing. <laughs> I, I don't have a sweet tooth. Um, I, I never really have. I'm not sure why. Um, but I, you know, I, it's fine, but I don't, I'm not compelled by sweets. Uh, but give me mashed potatoes and you're good. In your room, <laughs> you don't need to come back for a while. <laughs> <laughs> what about beverages that you enjoy? Well, I don't drink alcohol so anymore. So I really, honestly, all I drink is sparkling water. Mm -hmm. Although I did find some um, non-alcoholic bitters that I, I kind of squeeze into my water sometimes. Um, 
oh, what is the name of the company? I, I need to find it because it, they're really, they're really quite good. That's um, interesting. Yeah. And, uh, oh, you know what I've been drinking lately? Because, um, you know, and I, I think I'm blaming my hormones because I don't have anything else to blame. But <laughs> coffee has not tasted good to me lately. I've only ever been like a one cup in the morning person, mm-hmm. but it's not been tasting good to me lately. And I've been trying all different kinds and I think I'm just, it's just not, I don't know. So I've been trying um, medicinal mushroom tea by a company called oh. Four Sigmatic. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I've been having their lion's mane. Uh, mixture in the morning, which supposedly is good for cognition. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's tasty and it's sort of earthy and it's a nice substitute for um, what I'm looking for in the morning, which is warm and earthy. And um, I, I, I'm liking it. I don't know if I'll continue forever, but I'm liking it right now. But yes, yeah, sparkling water is my go-to. Do you, I love sparkling water. So I always like to ask like, what is your favorite? Do you have a favorite brand or a favorite flavor? No, whatever is least expensive. Yeah. I know there's so many options. So it's like, I know. Oh, this week Although, I'm going to try this. You know what I will say? Um, uh, Trader Joe's, their larger bottles, like their one liter bottles. Yes. Have the best bubbles. Oh, good to know. I have tried a bazillion sparkling water brands just because I, I do like 365 or like Whole Foods 365 or Target, whatever, like Pure and Hunt and Gather, whatever their like house brand is. Yes. LaCroix, Waterloo, Purely or Bubbly or whatever. Um, I've tried them all and the bubbles in Trader Joe's are the best. That's the best. Good to know. Well, that's why we drink it, right? For right. the bubbles. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they don't, it doesn't get flat as quickly. Oh, nice. Okay. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, how about scents or smells that you enjoy? Oh, love that. Um, it depends. And I'm very, very, very sensitive to scents. So fig, which I know I'm aware that if you just smell a fig, there isn't much going on there. But <laughs> fig scented like candles, bath gels, as long as it's really just pure and almost green. Love that. Nectarine. Give me a fresh nectarine in the summer. Mm. I sniff it all afternoon. Yeah. Um, and if I'm in the right mood and it's not too heavy, vanilla. All, all beautiful scents. Yum. Yeah. Um, if you were not a dietitian, what would your profession be? Oh, um, probably I think about this from time to time and I would say probably an FBI profiler. Ooh, (laughs) that sounds intense. If my life had gone in a very different direction. (laughs) That's what, that's what you'd be doing right now. (laughs) So you know what I watch on I was going to say, I know exactly what you want. I watch the same thing. I think that's fun. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm very into that kind of thing, analyzing, figuring things out, being very quiet and sitting back and observing, and um, which also is good in our profession too, right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I I believe that uh, that's probably what I would be doing. You're a hormone um, FBI investigator. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> 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 um, 
Yes. <laughs> uh, and what brings you joy in life, Barbie? Oh, wow. That is an excellent question. You know what? I'm going to say something probably a lot of other people have said, but my relationships with my children are, I have two boys, 18 and 13, mm. and there really isn't anything else that gives me that level of happiness. Like when we're connecting and having a great conversation, which is often, thank God. Um, Good. And just the relationships I've managed to establish with them, given a pretty bumpy ride, is um, is my greatest joy. Oh, that's awesome. Did your oldest graduate this year? He did. Yes. He did. Yes. He's had a crazy couple years then with, <laughs> with the pandemic. And I know. Yeah. He really has. And, but, you know, he's weathered it and he's good and you know, he's having good summer so far and working. And, and so, uh, you know, it's all good. Oh, good. Good. Well, it has been so lovely getting to know you today and chatting with you today. And I will definitely share, you'll have to share your course when that comes out. So I can share that and put it on the show notes. And thank you. Yeah, it's been great. You are wonderful. And I will always keep you in mind if I have clients that I think will be fantastic for you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I really, I love, you know what, just to say, I mean, you asked me what brings me joy. The other thing that brings me joy second to my children is having good conversation. And so this, and and just connecting with people and, and, uh, this is, uh, this has been great. So thank you. Good. I think our biggest takeaway from my conversation with Barbie today was you know, just how there is such a need for more precise kind of education and experiences with different types of nutrition throughout the lifespan. And this is such a great area that dietitians can practice in, gain more knowledge from, you know, just by Barbie saying that she does research every week. And then also, if you're not comfortable tapping into resources, especially people that are experienced or have a passion for this type of nutrition, is just a great sound way to kind of practice. So if you have an interest in perimenopause and menopause, you know, Barbie is a great resource. Please go to the show notes. You can find her website there. Uh, and just, you know, really get to know a little bit more about this area of nutrition we just don't get educated in. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.